You are now listening to a Fit Plus Love production. Knowledge is power, right? If we can even get more people that knowledge before something happens, 50% of heart attacks happen with zero warning signs. That was Timothy O'Donnell. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Welcome and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. I'm super psyched to bring you today's guest, the incredible athlete and world champion triathlete, Timothy O'Donnell. Also, Timothy is the co-founder of the new coaching company, Salty Bears, with his wife, world champion triathlete, Rini Carfrey. Timothy O'Donnell is one of the world's most successful and experienced American long course triathletes. As a professional, he has earned 50 plus podium finishes, including over 22 wins at major events throughout the world. Along with ITU long distance world champion in 2009, his other wins include nine Ironman 70.3 victories, two Ironman wins, and six Armed Forces National Championships. At the Ironman World Championship in Kona, Hawaii, Timothy finished third in 2015, fifth in 2013, sixth in 2016, eighth in 2012, and has earned the top American spot in 2013 and 2015. In 2021, after surviving a Widowmaker's heart attack on the bike leg of the Miami Challenge race, Timothy went on 15 months later to compete in Ironman Kona World Championships in 2022. And he most recently was just in New York City competing in the Lifetime New York City Triathlon, an Olympic distance event where he came in third place. Tim and I caught up on Monday, October 2nd in New York City to chat about the Lifetime New York City Triathlon, which was also the same day as his birthday, and what inspired him to come race and do this event and have his entire family in town to watch. We talk about how he is having fun with sport and exploring shorter distances, doing new off-road events like the Xterra USA Championship in Beaver Creek, and overall just bringing a new perspective and a new why to his racing and training post-hotel. We do a deep dive into the health and wellness tools, keeping Tim super dialed and on the inside track of his health. From the Clearly Health CT, Inside Tracker, Delta G Ketones, and more. Heart disease is in his DNA. And we chat about the tests he was doing prior to his heart attack and the tests that he's been doing after his heart attack during recovery, which empowered him with the confidence and safety to get back to training and racing. Of course, we talk about Tim's newest venture with his wife, Rennie, Salty Bears, and all the different levels and opportunities for athletes looking to train with Tim and Rennie. As usual, we talk gear and I get the scoop on some of the amazing sponsors that have empowered Tim for success. 
I also asked him about what he would do now that he's a coach and based on his past pro experience in the conditions that over 3,500 athletes, including myself, experienced on September 23rd at Ironman 70.3 New York. I also asked him what were the most challenging weather conditions he has endured and at which race. Shout out to episode sponsors Delta G for making this conversation possible. Now, on to my talk with Tim. We are here with Tim O'Donnell. Tim, so awesome to finally have you on the Marnie on the Move podcast. Thanks, Marnie. I know you had uh, my wife, Rennie, on ages ago. Way back in the day, yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad to, to be catching up. Congratulations on the New York City Triathlon this weekend. You came in third place. Third place, yep. That's awesome. So how was it? Dial me into the race because I wasn't here to watch. It was um, it was a lot of fun. The first time, uh, the last time I did New York City was 2006. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I moved up to Ironman distances. Uh, this is an Olympic distance race. So as on my 43rd birthday, you know, it's a little harder to do the shorter races, but, I, yeah. you know, I knew it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, unfortunately, the swim is canceled because of all the rain right. and the water quality. So we did a duathlon. Uh, we basically ran swim 1.2 mile run. 40k bike 10k run and uh, yeah for my first duathlon ever um i think i held in there pretty well what did you like about the race i mean we're in new york city right like there's no never really any triathlons here and it's such an exciting city so you know what did you like about doing the race did you see anything cool or were you just like super dialed um honestly yeah the run in central parks is a lot of fun uh, and it's pretty iconic and sometimes you know i'm I'm a little long in the tooth in this sport now and and matt sharp my friend, he he won the race. I was chatting with him at the pro briefing, and he was so excited to be racing in New York City. And uh, it kind of snapped me back in. And I'm like, wow, you know what? This is actually a really cool opportunity. Yeah. Um, obviously, I knew it was, but it was just a good reminder. Like, hey, you know, you still got to be able to sit back and appreciate what we're able to do. When did you start triathlon? I did my first race. Uh, so my older brother, Thomas, was um, a senior at the Naval Academy um, my freshman year, and he made me join the triathlon team. But uh, my senior year of high school, which would have been the fall of 98, I did the West Point Triathlon, and that was my first race ever. And I did it in mountain biking shoes, like lace-up mountain biking shoes uh-huh. on the bike, and just a Speedo, no shirt, just a Speedo. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, his old Schwinn with down tube shifting. And I was the first out of the water. I was a, swam- a swimmer that ended up um, swimming at, at Navy. And I think literally everybody in the race passed me on that bike. That's and so funny. I remember some of his teammates just giving me a hard time when they all rode by on their fancy uh, triathlon bikes. And uh, one of the guys said, don't worry, Timmy, we'll teach you how to ride a bike. That's so and funny. And what, 25 years later, here I am still You're still teaching them how to ride yeah. a bike now. <laughs> Where are you from originally? So uh, I've lived all over the place. Um, my dad was corporate automotive for years, uh, but we've been in, they've been in northeastern Pennsylvania since my uh, sophomore year of high school. Okay, and so, then you were in the Navy. And then I was in the Navy, yep, and uh, was stationed out in California. I went to grad school out there as well, went to Cal, um, studied ocean engineering. And I did, yes, yeah, so I did all my time in the Navy pretty much. I got, long story short, I got put into the world-class athlete program, sent me to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, and that's where I kind of finished out the end of my Navy career. Uh, this is my bro- older brother, Thomas, who is still in over 20 years uh, later. He uh, he jokes that I have the best career in the navy that's so cool and you won six you won six national uh, yep the armed forces national championships and that was really my um kind of launch pad yeah. it was able to you know win that race get get the attention of of my bosses and, and navy sports and 
really without the support of the Navy that my whole career would have never happened. And I remember sitting in the office of um, uh, my department head before I was about to get out. And he's like, Tim, just you got to go. You know, yeah. you've shot yourself in the foot. You're not going to get promoted after uh, lieutenant or 03 because uh, the first two promotions are automatic. It's like after that one, you ain't getting promoted, man. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you got a great talent uh, in triathlon. So you should go chase your dream. And, that's um, cool. Yeah, I took his blessing and, and, and went out and moved to Boulder. Chased your dream. Chased the dream. My parents thought I was crazy. Don't they always, though? They, that's their job. They're trying to protect yeah. us, right? They want to make sure we're not doing anything stupid. It probably was a stupid move, but it worked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in retrospect, like, as a parent now, right, like, you think, oh, my God, now I know why my parents said this or that. Yeah. But yep. in the moment, Absolutely, like, you yeah. have to do you. Yeah, and it's... um. You know, they just want to see what's best. And, you know, yeah. I, you know unfortunately, you know, my my mom um, broke her hip a couple weeks ago. But oh, she was no. able, she got out here. God bless her. Yeah. She, couldn't, she came for she, your she birthday. Came, yep. She came for the birthday. My last uh, last race, I guess, of the season, I say. Who knows? Yeah. So, yeah. So let's talk about that because, you know, so you, le- you left the Navy. You, you got your pro card immediately. I did. I actually already had it. Um, I was on the national team while I was um, racing for the Navy. So I was kind of, you know, trying to qualify for the Olympics, went to Olympic trials at the end of 08 and um, didn't make the team. Uh, we think I was sixth at, at trials, uh, you know, three man roster with an alternate. So four guy team. And um, yeah, at that point, uh, I just knew long course was where my calling was going to be. There's something about long course that is just really awesome. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I do 70.3, but still that's longer than sprint and Olympic. <laughs> I call <laughs> no, it long 70, course. <laughs> now after doing, after doing Olympic distance this weekend, um, even 70.3, I'm like, man, that is a like significantly more work on race day. Flash forward this weekend, you just did an Olympic New York city triathlon as a pro. And now you were just really having fun in your career because in 2021, you had a Widowmaker heart attack in the middle of the Challenge Miami race. Yep, in the middle of the bike portion of, of the race. So take me back to that moment. What happened? What did you feel? People think just because you're a triathlete, you're in the best shape. And it's not necessarily true, and you still have to be healthy. So yeah. try. Yeah, so talk to me about that. Yeah, unfortunately, that is the case. Um you, as one of the cardiologists said to me after the fact, you can't outfitness your genes, and it's just the truth. And I had been having some, I had been having some issues before the race, and uh, I saw one of my good friends, Ben Hoffman, and before the race, I'm like, yeah, I just don't feel good. And, you know, I was having trouble breathing, and um, you know, kind of some of the signs. And I had done tests earlier, um, or at the end of the year before, so this was March of 21, and like December of 2020, I'd been doing tests, and nothing uh, definitive that really. Um, brought too much worry to any of the specialists. But yeah, um, had an amazing swim. Jan Ferdano was there. He had just beaten me. Uh, The last time we raced was Ironman World Championship. He went one. I went two. Um, At the time, the two of the fastest times ever on the course. So I was so excited to race him because he always brings out the best in me. He just brings out the competitor in me because, yeah, you get to really, you get to see where you stack up when you race, you know, the GOAT. So, you know, swam with him and just one or two other guys. Um, up in the front of the race and then about halfway through maybe two-thirds way through the bike I just started getting that shooting pain across my chest and then um, or spreading pain across the chest shooting pain down the left arm my left jaw started to kind of lock up and uh, 
I actually thought, is this a heart attack? Like, this is not, like, I've been racing a long, long time. I've experienced a lot of pains that I didn't know I could experience out on the race course. But this was completely different than any of those. So I had, a like, an inclination that something was wrong. Yeah. But I'm in the mix. I'm like, yeah, you got to keep going, you know? Like, yeah. you're in the fight right here. Uh, my son Finn at the time was eight weeks old, so we just had him. And, uh, yeah, so I, you know, just wanted to wanted to be in the race and it was on the miami speedway the nascar track and it was like 17 laps on the bike and i started getting to the point where i was getting a little out of it i was getting delirious and i actually got off the bike a lap early because i didn't really know I'm like, I'm like surely we're done like we have to be done so i just got off my bike and i started like running into transition and they're like no 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 you got another lap so I'm, I'm like, okay. So I got back on my bike, kept riding. I mean, it's not funny, it's, you know, <laughs> but it's totally, it was but the time. thing is like, that's so something yep. that anyone who is a triathlete or an endurance athlete, it's like, you just keep going. Yeah. And actually it is kind of funny because, um, my, my close friends and my family, they all kind of know that it's like, that's something I would do like, oh. regardless of <laughs> like, I would just be like, oh yeah, I'll get off now. So Greg Bennett, who is a great friend of mine yeah. was announcing the race and he's like, oh yeah. He's like. That's just, you know, T.O. being T.O. And uh, not knowing what was really going on. Uh, but I kept back in. I got back in the race. That's actually where I lost most of my time. I think I lost more time there than I did, like, having a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up 11th, which I was really mad because, you know, paid top 10, new baby, diaper money, all that stuff. Right, right. And that's a big part yeah, of this. Yeah. And then uh, we ch- I tried to rally for the, um, the after party with, some, with, their, with all the other athletes and the race directors and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't even couldn't even stand up. So um, I lied down. Um, you know, we were at the racetrack. I was in one of the motorhomes in the in the infield, and I called Rennie, and um, I told her what was happening. She said, "You need to call Doctor Dave, who's our primary care um, physician, and he's amazing. He's a cyclist, awesome guy. Um, you know, it's pretty cool when you can text your doctor, right? Yeah. Like, so." Reached out to him. Actually, I just called him, and it's like eight thirty at night. I call him, and he's says he's like Tim, you got to take aspirin right now and go to the hospital. So that's yeah, um, that's what we did. My uh, my good buddy and uh, our uh, videographer uh, Kenny Withrow threw me in the rental car. Literally had to drag me in. I was like I couldn't even walk in. I was just vomiting outside the uh, ER. But those are kind of all things that happen to athletes after a race. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, um, it a lot of it coincides with severe dehydration which happens in in endurance events but for a guy that you know i've you know raced kona what 10 times right and it's hot yeah and a shorter race like my challenge miami wasn't even a half distance it was less than a half right like this this race this race effort shouldn't be doing this to me so i kind of knew but it took me an hour and a half i think to even really get seen by anybody the, the american hospital. heart association says that 12 percent of people survive a widow maker heart attack so it's incredible i'm sure your athleticism really helped you also absolutely it, it saved my life i mean also you know time under blockage is very it's a big factor too in, in yeah. your survivability and i was i mean this happened in the race and probably what like 4 p.m and i didn't right. get it unblocked until like 1 a.m Wow. The next morning, yeah. So a lot of time under under that blockage too, which could have been really, really dangerous. Um, I actually remember they took me, had to take me to another hospital, so they threw me in an ambulance. And uh, 
like the one thing you need in there, you know, the, um, the, the, pet, sh- the, pet, the shocking the shock. pads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know what they're called. And, but, uh, yeah. I, I hear the tech say to the driver, Hey, uh, we almost there. Um, the battery in this thing's about to die. And I'm like, great. So you were <laughs> now, totally conscious. Now, you were yes, just like yeah. laying there. I'm like, now I'm in an ambulance going down the highway with the one thing that, that I need here. That's that could, could be running out of battery. <laughs> So it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. But um, and did Rennie and the kids come meet you, or were they there already? No, they were. They were still. They were in Colorado because okay. Finn was so young. Um, I was out there by myself uh, with Kenny, um, my good buddy Nathan, who I trained with at the Naval Academy. Yeah. Uh, he was there as well. So luckily, he was able to like pack my bike up and clear out my hotel room. And yeah, it's pretty. Pretty wild stuff. When this was all going on, obviously, where you were thinking, like, I hope I live through this. And once you knew you were going to live through it, what was the next thought? Yeah. There was only, yeah, I'm a big believer in keeping that positive mindset in Uh pretty much everything you do. And there was that one second where in the first hospital, they realized, like, okay, this guy is actually having a heart attack. Um, And they brought in the paddles and and one of the nurses like, how you feeling? I'm like, pretty good. And she's like, well, you look like shit. And I'm like thanks and she's like holding the paddles ready to <laughs> ready to bring me back and in that in that second i'm like okay like it kind of hit me that i could be knocking on heaven's door at that point right right and uh and then i said no you got to get that out of your brain um get that off your mind you just got to focus on being here and yeah you got to fight when did you decide to sign up for kona i mean obviously you're already qualified but like when did you decide to do kona um, well, it wasn't, it's just my own decision. Um, you know, Rennie and I sat down because, I mean, on, honestly, this has probably been as harder, harder on her. Cause yeah, I'm sure. Know, yeah. If something happened to me, you know, she's left. Well, she with, loves you, of yeah, course. Yeah, and, and she's then, got yeah. two kids yep. and your family. So yeah, yeah. She yeah, would it's be not the just one you. picking up the pieces, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, when you're gone, you're gone. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's <laughs> It's bad to say, but it's not your problem nope, anymore. It's true. Right? <laughs> yep, you're gone. So it's yeah. like you worry while yep. you're alive about how you can help the people when you're gone. Right. Yep. Yeah. That it's so true. Um, so yeah, we you know we sat down and said, okay, I would like to do this. Can we do this? Should we do this? Yeah. And really, the consensus between us was, hey, as long as we find the best doctors and um, you know get get a thumbs up, get the the approval from them, you know, let's let's go for it. And that was our plan. But yeah, that first doctor in Miami actually told me like once they finished working on my heart and putting this stent in and all that stuff, uh, clearing the block, he's like, well, I guess you'll have to find a new career. And, um, and then the, his head nurse who had, um, actually worked at Boulder community hospital. Yeah. I live in Boulder, Colorado. There's a lot of fit people out there. A lot yeah. of fit if people. You need, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I and, mean, yeah. nobody's going to tell you, you can't yeah, do a and, triathlon and in Boulder. Nurse, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, Oh no. He's like, no way doc. He's like, you know, Tim, don't listen to him. He doesn't know who he's talking about. You'll be out riding in a week. I'm like, <laughs> all right, I like I like where your head's at. No disrespect to our physiology and the seriousness and magnitude of having a heart attack or any injury or anything that happens to anybody. But if you mentally want to do something and you can find a way, I really believe that you can do it. If it's all yep. clear from a physiological standpoint. Absolutely. And the one of the sports cardiologists I saw, Dr. Aaron Bagish, was like, hey, physical activity, you know, obviously training and racing for an Ironman is the extreme, but it's like, hey, you 
you know, your physical activity is still the best thing for you. And we had alluded to it earlier that all the training and my fitness actually may have helped save my life. What really happened was, is I get these, or you get these ancillary vessels that kind of sprout off of your arteries from training to help move more blood while you're training under, under physical stress and high uh, loads that helped divert blood around the blockage to keep me alive. And I was actually talking to, um, the race director for the race this weekend. And he had a blockage in, uh, his led when he was early fifties and his cardiologist said, yeah, those ancillary vessels, you know, they saved your life too. So, I mean, if, if in his same thing, you know, he had genetic issues through his family and, so it's genetic because you're yep. in your family. There's heart disease. There, it, it, yep, yep. The buildup of uh, plaque um, in your is, arteries. Yep, yeah, yep. I had several. I did all the genetic testing through uh, one of the doctors I saw, and I was had all these markers that would predispose me for this exact situation. Obviously, you have to eat healthy, but like even probably extra healthy. But then I'm also curious since you're yeah, probably I mean, you very could really do a deep it. dive. You know, a lot of people just look at like your cholesterol numbers and your right. LDL. It goes way beyond that. Um, you know, we can talk about some of the blood markers later. Yeah. But, I mean, even the size of your LDL particles, I have very small, dense LDL, which, um, from my understanding, obviously I'm not a medical doctor. Right, none <laughs> so of us are medical I'm, doctors <laughs> here. My understanding, those smaller particles, uh, they tend to be able to uh, collect in the uh, interior of the artery wall right. and cause plaque buildup. Um, so that's, you know, that, that was one of the problems, too. Talk to me about some of the tests you had done before you had a heart attack versus some of the tests that you did while you were healing and getting ready and yep. preparing to do Ironman. So before uh, this all happened, I did the very basic tests. I did like a calcium scan or score. Okay. Which showed plaque in the LED. Okay, it did. Um, but not a significant amount. And also from those, you can't really tell is it what type of plaque is it? Right. What state is the plaque? Is it, you know, hard calcified or, um, you know, more what would be layman's term soft black um, right or like there's different percents like yeah. i did mine after i listened to you mm-hmm. in a podcast and it was zero yep. so that's a good that's start awesome, yeah yeah yep but it yeah. doesn't i know yeah, i yeah. know yeah. i need to do other stuff i don't yeah <laughs> but yes so yeah i did that i did a stress test on the treadmill yeah. yeah not maybe the best things you know um pretty pretty basic um and this was before you had that heart attack. Yeah, that was yeah. Yeah, before. And then uh, after I did like everything I could do, I did, um, you know, like the uh, uh, the nuke stress test where they uh, put the dye in you and you do a stress test and then you do like a scan before and after and they can see if there's any change in the blood flow when you've been working. And then, uh, you know, I did like a portable holter, like a Zio patch. Uh, which is really good for um, all the electrical stuff, you know, looking for irregularities in your heart um, or AFib, things like that. And then the most important thing I did was the clearly scan, which is like, in my opinion, it's it really gave is what gave me the confidence to actually get myself properly prepared for the Ironman World Championship last year. Because the further you get away from the information, the, the doctors will tell me it's fine. Right. You had a structural issue. You had a, you had a, you had a big leak, you know. Yeah. We, we patched it up. You're all patched up. It's going to be stronger than it ever was in that that um that artery. But I don't know. I haven't you been around. Yeah, you're not. You can't see it. Yeah, like you don't. It like just what does that feel mean? Right. You know. I mean, like people go to the doctor every day, and the doctors tell them they're fine. Compared to what? 
Right. Yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you what. Physical, I, I was very careful for the first year. You know, I was on blood thinners. I was on, uh, like, beta blockers or um, statins, stuff that they don't make you feel great trying to train. So I, I, And I kept it very aerobic. And I had some scar tissue on the heart, too, from being blocked so long. So I wanted to just make sure I healed properly. But I could get back into training. In fact, one of the doctors in Boulder put me on the treadmill for a stress test like the week I got back. And he's okay. like, all right, you can wow. go train aerobic. Go ride your bike. <laughs> <laughs> You're like a... Yeah. But mentally, getting back to training was more of a mental challenge than a physical challenge for That's me. That's what I was going to ask you because... Yep. So what was it like mentally? It was... It was. Um, there's so many layers to it, right? It's, yes. You know, I had, I had achieved so much... Um, you know, we had this break after COVID from racing anyways. So it's like my career had almost been like, just like cut short right there. And I'm trying to get back. You know, we have two little kids. I've done so much. I'm like, do I really need to be out here? Why am I out here? Is this what I want to be doing? Is this what I should be doing? Is this what, you know, how scared am I making Rennie right now being out here? And, you know, I tell a story about, um, I was, went for a run on the treadmill at our house and our like home gym. And I told Rennie I'm going for a run. And uh, I got distracted cleaning the garage or something. And uh, she goes and lays down with our, our boy, who was only a couple months old um, at that point. And she falls asleep with him, wakes up like two hours later, and hears the treadmill still going. And she's like, Tim should have been off the treadmill an hour ago, you know? So I'm running, like, just, like, bopping around, listening to music or whatever. And she just busts the door open, like, fully expecting to, like, see me, like, just on the ground. And she she just has this, like, petrified look on her face and sees me and then just goes like she had this huge like relief and i'm like it really hit me then like this has put rainy through so much um and like i said the doctors they're the closest to the information and so they're like you're fine you you can go for it i'm a little bit closer she's a little bit further away my parents are even further away and the further away you get from like the confidence you get from knowing what's going on uh, the harder it is to cope with everything and that's where the clearly scan gave me so much confidence you can actually go it's like a um, CT scan on steroids. Like you can actually go in there and it tells you what percentage of uh, the plaque that's in there. You can actually see if it's calcified, if it's non-calcified, mm-hmm. and how stable it is. I think there's like three uh, levels. So I, I actually did one before in mid, mid-season too because I started getting some palpitations and stuff uh, mid-season. And I'm like, I'm not. I was supposed to go in before Tremblant. And then, and Dave, Dr. Dave is like, you shouldn't go race again until you get this checked out. And then I'm like, oh, well, I just got stuck in a really good training block and I'm feeling good. So I'm just going to kind of ignore that. Yeah. So then luckily Tremblant got canceled because of the fires. Yeah. yeah. But I was, I was petrified before the race. I'm like, I shouldn't be doing this. What am I doing? And then afterwards I'm like, all right, did all my tests. Got, got a little more confidence and I could actually see some of my soft plaquettes calcified since last year when I took the test. Okay. And it gives you, um, it models, it models like where you're going and tells you like it gives you like an ai yeah like yeah it's ai based right yeah. and um it's like yeah you are look basically you're looking great so having that at your hands like that knowledge knowledge is power right if we can 
even get more people that knowledge before something happens. 50% of heart attacks happen with zero warnings. Shout out to our sponsors at Delta G. Delta G is the creator of the revolutionary Delta G ketone ester, an exogenous ketone being used by world champion, Ironman, Tour de France, Formula One, Olympians, recreational athletes, and longevity-seeking wellness-savvy individuals looking to optimize their athletic performance and everyday health. I have been adding Delta G exogenous ketones to my morning coffee, using it to recover after hard workouts and in training for the past several months. I am a huge fan. Beyond boosting energy levels and performance, ketones improve mental clarity, boost metabolic flexibility, and increase insulin sensitivity. Ketones are the brain's preferred fuel source, even when glucose is present. Ketones are nature's super fuel. When the body is pushed to its limits, we convert stored body fat into ketones for energy that help fuel the brain and body. Delta G delivers that exact ketone produced naturally in the body called DBHB. With Delta G, you can achieve high levels of circulating blood ketones, also known as ketosis, safely and immediately. Delta G was created through a collaboration between the University of Oxford and NIH with funding from the Department of Defense in 2003 as a way to provide efficient fuel for warfighters. Just two years ago, Delta G became available to the public. Throughout the years, researchers have been able to utilize this technology in various studies, amounting to over 55 published Delta G studies with around 25 ongoing. It's time to take your health and athletic performance to the next level. Head over to deltagketones.com and use our code MARNIE20 to get started. Being preemptive and getting ahead of stuff is the best way. It's not a surefire thing, but it's so totally the best way to prevent yourself from being in that situation. Absolutely. Yeah. But until it happens to someone you know or to you, like you really don't realize how just how important that is. Yeah. I'm hoping preventative care can will be more readily available to everybody. Uh, through our healthcare system. Is that when <laughs> you connected with Inside Tracker after you had the heart attack? Um, no, I had actually been working with Inside before then. Okay. Because um, obviously, knowing heart attack aside, knowing what's going inside your body for high yeah. performance is very important. So there, yeah, there's two benefits for me. There's high performance, and then there's health and wellness and right. longevity, which is really the key word. When did you start working with Inside Tracker and? You know, talk to me a little bit about how it helps you with your racing and training. And it's a couple of years now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, as a professional, we've always checked in on our blood. I mean, yeah. like anemia and stuff, especially training up at altitude, low iron, um, you know, your hormone balance as a male trying to, uh, well, male and female, but yeah. particularly men can low T when yeah. you're doing an endurance sport is like, yeah, it's going to happen no matter how good you are. <laughs> Basically, it was just a better way for us to do it, a uh, more consolidated, more user-friendly way for us to really monitor everything. And then, you know, all the nutrition recommendations and everything. Right. Yeah. Great. And well, that's the thing. It's it's like, you know, my Garmin, there's so much information, but you have to be able to use that information. Right. And obviously, they're, everybody's doing so much better job with that now. And that's what like you said, when there's the recommendations for, you know, nutrition tips and things like that, it's like, okay, information is great. Applying what you learn is paramount. Yeah. And that and that's what Inside Tracker is so great at. What advice do you have for triathletes, for any athlete, for anyone, based on your experience having a heart yeah. attack and continuing to race and, you know, from a mental standpoint and a physical standpoint? That's a great question. Particularly with the heart attack stuff? or Yeah, with the yeah. heart attack stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think um, most importantly, know uh, know the warning signs. 
know your genetics, know your family history. And this is all stuff that I, you know, didn't do that I should have done. And uh, check in. Yeah, check in with your body. It's it's important. It's so important. I mean, I mean, spending money on I'd, I'd rather spend money on keeping myself around for my kids. Right. Than, you know, going to Disney World. <laughs> Like, so as triathletes, you know, we spend a lot of money, yep. right? We buy, yep. you know, five, ten thousand dollar, fifteen thousand dollar, I don't know, maybe that's a cyclist, bikes, spend a lot of money on shoes, yep. spend a lot of money on travel. And what are you spending on your health? How are you you know, just because you're doing all these this exercise, it yep. doesn't mean that you're healthy. It means you're healthier. You know, people need to kind of dial into that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And uh, Dr. Peter Atia talks about a health span, you know, not just longevity, but like living your high quality life for as long as you can. And yes, I think training and being an endurance athlete helps that, but knowing what's going on inside with your blood work and with, you know, like some, of the, the, some of the tests I would have talked about. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's going to keep you, that's going to give you the most information that can uh, give you the best chances to have a, you know, great health span. And then what about mentally? Because you mentioned like it was challenging for you mentally to come back. So yep. was there anything that you told yourself, like any mantras or just a mindset that you kind of had and, and how you kind of moved forward? Yeah, I think, and this goes, this isn't just coming back from the heart attack. This is getting older too. You know, I just turned 43. I'm racing guys that are in their early 20s now. Yeah. You know, post heart attack, I'm a different person. At 43, I'm a different person. So you just have to understand, hey, uh, your goals can change, you know, your, your whys can change. And I've had to change my why many times over the years of, you know, why am I racing? Why am I doing this to, to myself? But you have to be honest. You have to be able to talk to yourself and be honest, really figure out what you want, why you're out there. And that can bring you a lot more joy. And, and I think with clarity brings, brings that joy. You're opening up your horizons to other kinds of sports, right? Mm -hmm. Like I noticed you were doing a gravel race or an uh, Yeah, I did a Xterra Beaver Creek. Yeah. So what was that like? I mean, that's like just you've always been on this like triathlon yeah. uh, track and, and now you're kind of like playing around with different things. Yeah. And especially with particularly with the Ironman World Championship, you know, my whole goal was to try to win that race. So my every year was dedicated. Every single race I did was placed in a particular spot. To set me up for October. And uh, with that race being um, women's only this year, they moved the men's race to Nice. I knew I wasn't going to do that. So that kind of brought the end to my full distance racing um, at, you know, in Kona last year, which really kind of started to open up. And like I said, what's my why now? It's like, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to win a world title anymore. So let's go experience other parts of the sport that can bring me joy and, um, you know, new experiences. And plus <laughs> the cool thing about Xterra, it's hard to have an Xterra in a bad location because you're usually in a mountain town with the lake. How cool is that? So like bringing up the kids and just hanging out in the mountains for a weekend. Yeah. Awesome. And I raced, I did not race well at all. I got crushed. You had to be able to put your ego aside sometimes too. Yeah. Right. And, um, and pay, and, you know, and you have to respect other people's craft. You know, those Xterra guys are very, very good at what they do. And they specialize that and they focus on it. I don't know. It'd be some hubris on my part to go in and thinking I'm just going to crush them. Um, 
especially with zero mountain biking background. Right. <laughs> Some of the guys have a mountain biking background. I don't. I had a great time. I crashed the day before. Um, they got it on video, and we all got a good laugh. Yeah. And then that really, like, that put the brakes on race day. I'm like, Rainey's in Finland commentating at the 70.3 World Championships. Yeah. I got the kids by myself. Um, I'm like, I need to get down to the bottom of, the to the bottom of this mountain <laughs> in one piece. <laughs> so now, like, you're doing all these races, and I just, I see you taking ketones from Delta G. Yes. I need to know, because I put the Delta G ketones in my coffee every morning. And I, I definitely feel a difference, but I want to know, like, what are you doing to drink that in the middle of a ride where you just drink it and swallow it? Like, you're not mixing it with anything? No, and I use... You're hardcore. Um, so, yeah. just a real quick, we'll rewind, because what I got onto ketones um, for, much like with, when we were talking about Inside Tracker, I started for performance, and I actually used them before Kona at 19, you know, kind of like my secret weapon, and... Uh, they weren't really as talked about as uh, widely known about as they are now. Yeah, you were like one of the first athletes using ketones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, everybody's caught up, darn it. <laughs> but there's the health benefits too, like take performance. There's a performance benefit, but there's the health and wellness side of it too. And one of the biggest things that I was told with the heart, minimize inflammation. Like if you can help minimize inflammation, you, whenever you spike your blood glucose, I think it's over like maybe 140, like inflammation triggers okay. in your body. So a lot of us are creating a lot of inflammation. It's inevitable. I mean, it's unavoidable sometimes with what you have to do for training. But in day-to-day life, a lot of us are spiking our blood glucose, causing inf- inflammation. And um, ketones can help with that. Incorporating ketones into my day-to-day is not only a performance thing, but it's it's a health and wellness thing too. So you also put them in your coffee and drink yeah, them yeah. daily. And honestly, I usually just shoot them. I don't even, you know, there's a, uh, a couple different levels and some of them are. Strong. Has, yeah. I use the tactical, which is like uh, straight, like rocket fuel. And I just, it's just like, all right, let's go. <laughs> I chase it, usually chase it with my coffee. So a shot of, a shot of the ketones, chase it with the coffee. And then that, that kind of uh, the bitterness of the coffee helps. Uh, yeah. We had the founder, Professor Kieran Clark, and Brian McMahon on the podcast, and it was just incredibly eye-opening to learn all about ketones and the health and wellness benefits, as well as the performance and racing benefits. So do you alternate when you're, when you're using them? Do you just use ketones, like when you're out on your bike or, run, or running, or do you alternate with carbs? Oh, right. No, I am. Um, it's... I supplement it with um with my normal nutrition plan basically. And there there is some um research being done showing uh taking the ketones with the carbohydrates can actually help um like the absorption of the rate carbohydrates. of the carbohydrates. Yeah. Wow. So a lot okay. of people think, Oh yeah, I just doing ketones like as a substitute, but when, no, when you're racing you, you still need You still need the carbs. Yeah. Right. Um but if it can help you uh you know, absorb better. And then also ketones are, are um, you know, great source for the brain in yeah. terms of, you know, when you're out there and, and being able to focus when you're under stress out on the race course. Um, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Since we mentioned carbs, where do you stand with more carbs per hour on the bike versus on the run? In terms of nutrition, are you a minimalist or a maximalist? In training, I've always been, I do believe in trying to build metabolic efficiency. So, and I am, uh, I use UCAN. It's a little different than your normal, uh, it's more of a complex 
carb, I guess you could say. But so it's like a slow releasing. Um, they call it super fuel, but it's like a cornstarch that releases uh, kind of linearly. Wow. Um, which helps blood glucose spikes. Uh, so if I'm doing aerobic training, then I'll just straight you can. In, um, like it's a drink? Gel, or is it, drink or okay. gel. Yeah, okay. actually gels are <clears throat> amazing form to just like quick hit. Okay. Uh, but when you're racing, I will mix that with a uh, uh, simple carbohydrate. Okay. So it's almost like two fuel sources. For the You'll mix the you can yep. with also a yep. simple carbohydrate, yep. and then you also take the ketones Correct. when you're so racing. So actually that was my magic formula in 19 <laughs> when I had – I broke my foot seven weeks before the race. Um, had the race of my life and the best run I'd had in nine Kona appearances. Um, and that was – my fueling plan was uh, ketones, Delta G – um, you can mix with a simple carb, and like that—that that was a combo. The What's three. a simple carb? Just like a like a like a um, sports drink. Like okay, a, you like, know, rock goo, okay. rock cane, or something. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Awesome. So, since I'm getting some advice from you on nutrition, let's just talk about your new company, Salty Bears. Yeah. So you and Rini started a coaching company. So tell me a little bit about it, how it works. If people want to work with you, dial me in. Yeah, I wish I brought. I should. I totally forgot to bring you a hat. Um, oh yeah, but you can send it to me. I'll yeah, wear it on my yeah. next interview. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little. Um, we wanted. Um, it's a koala on an anchor. Rennie's from Australia. I was in the Navy. Like that'd be kind of a cool logo. But um, we wanted. You know, obviously, our whole lives together, our lives together, have kind of come in the world of triathlon. We almost like grew up together. We started dating, got married. You know. Did you meet during a triathlon? We did. We met at Saint Croix in two thousand nine. <laughs> uh, Seventy point three Saint Croix. Oh and I always joke with Rennie that I had a win. That was the first big pro race I won and uh I had jokes there that I had to win a race to get her attention that's so funny <laughs> she at the time was the defending 70.3 world champions I mean and, she's so fast oh yeah I mean, I mean she's a great runner yeah amazing runner she still holds her own course record in Kona you know for what well, that was 13 or 14 she said it um but yeah um Salty Bears we wanted a uh, we wanted coaching and community so we've partnered with TriDot who has an amazing uh, AI based platform to maximize your training with minimizing your training hours and that's the focus for us a lot of people think we wanted to get into a leader professional um, level with coaching we want to make triathlon a great part of families the balance of family life so we want we know the stress it has on us and those big training days so we want to be super efficient with our training and so by partnering with tridot we're able to get people in incredible shape ready for Ironmans if they want or shorter races um, all without needing to get a divorce because they're on their bike <laughs> for 30 hours a week. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Which is yep. super important because and especially like the demographic for triathlon is largely 35 to 65. Yep. So Absolutely. I mean, that's a broad yep. statement, but I want to say like 40 to 50 almost like that's when a lot of men and women like really get into this yeah, sport. Yeah. And then you alluded to it earlier. It's, it's not a cheap sport, right? No. It's an expensive sport. So you usually need some um, disposable income. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like if your kids are already in college or maybe you didn't have any. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe they're working now. Yeah. So we have a, we have a couple of different yeah. levels. Obviously, you can coach one on one with Rennie or myself or one of our um, coaches that work alongside of us. Uh, or we have a community level, too, where you can be on the TriDot platform, get customized training for yourself, um, get a race plan, race strategies uh, for your race schedule that year. And uh, also be a part of our world with, you know, team meetups and in-person meetings, Zooms, uh, educational um, little uh, seminars with us and our team. 
So we're trying to bring price points that, you know, I know everybody can't afford a personal coach. Um, it can get expensive. So we're bringing personalized uh, programs with our community at, uh, at a reasonable price. Yeah, that's great. And so people can go to this website. Yeah, actually, just go to timandrini.com. It's such a logical progression for you guys. I mean, and Rini is broadcasting, which mm-hmm. is so cool. Yeah, she's great at it, too. Yeah, yeah. she really and is. And she loves it. You know, it's funny because I started race announcing this summer and love it. I just met Tom Zebart this past weekend at Ironman New York 70.3. And I've known him since the beginning of my, my, basically my racing career. That first race I won with, uh, um, when I met Rini, the Ironman 70.3 in St. Croix 2009, he was race announcing. And uh, he, you know, calls me, didn't even have my name right. He's like, and, you know, the guy, it's Tim Donaldson or Donahue. And, and then he's kind of like leaning over away from the mic. Like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> no one knew who I was. <laughs> he's so funny. He's he's great. He gave me some great advice. So hopefully I'll be shadowing some 70.3s or Ironman distance yeah. uh, next summer. Yeah. I'll, we'll see. Can't wait to see you out there. Yeah. Very cool. We're talking about racing and training. I need to know what you would have done. This past weekend, the inaugural Ironman 70.3 Jones Beach. I did it as a relay. I signed up for a relay once before the summer. I started doing relays because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really into swimming, <laughs> but I love cycling and running. We got to get you to pool school. Yeah. We have a tr- swim weekend swim program through TriDot. Really? Pool school. And it is amazing. I would love like, to do that. I went and I went and actually did it. I did the program and I saw everybody around me drop heaps of time, like 10, 20 seconds in a hundred. Wow. Yep. So just a side note. You need to get me to open water ocean school where you can drop me in a contained environment and make me stay in the water for an extended period of time without panicking. Because I basically every triathlon I've ever done, I swim from kayak to kayak. Because it doesn't matter if I can swim. 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 meters in the pool. When I get into the open water, it's like I forget. I forget that I'm like such a strong swimmer. Yeah. And that's a, I think that's a big thing around like age group triathletes is that they're very afraid of swimming. And it really kind of like is soul crushing because I know I'm a great athlete. Yeah. That's hard. You know what? Just follow the bubbles. Follow the bubbles. Yeah. Get on someone's feet. Yeah. Don't even, don't look around. Like just, Keep the bubbles in front of your face. You yeah. do that, they're, they're going to lead you into... They'll lead me <laughs> into the finish line eventually. Yep. So this weekend, I did the 70.3 you know, in Jones Beach yep. as a relay. It was so hard. I don't think I've ever done anything so challenging. Did you do the bike leg? I did the bike and the and run. And the run, okay. Yeah, so I didn't do the swim. So you just outsourced the swim. I outsourced the swim to a friend <laughs> of mine who's a triathlon coach and a, and a gym owner and another entrepreneur who loves swimming. <laughs> I was like, if it wasn't for her, like I would have been drinking coffee in the parking lot. Yeah. Like, I would have never, ever done it. Because, I mean, I took one look at the water and I was like, oh, damn, I wish I brought my windsurfing equipment. So, yeah, it was like 25, 30 mile an hour winds in the morning at nine o'clock. And by the time I was out on the run, it must have been like 35, 40. Oof. But, you know, Ironman doesn't cancel races. So people were leaving the parking lot with their bikes at like, 5 a.m. picking up their bikes and other people stayed iron man put the ball in our court which yep. is very much iron man and they still let the swim go on and with those they conditions. shortened it to 750 okay. but yes they let the swim go yep. on i understand all perspectives right all of these people paid to do this race they trained to do this race and you know some people were doing it as their first race and whatever their why is like it's important to people yeah, yeah. so people get upset 
and nobody wants the race to be canceled. Yep. So, but you have to make a smart decision as an athlete, as a pro, like what are some tips that you might have for like those kind of conditions for athletes? Well, I mean, and as a coach actually yep. now, so, I mean, I probably, I, I probably wouldn't always follow my own advice, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, from when you're looking at it from the outside, I mean, obviously safety is number one, right? Yeah. If you don't think, if you think you're going to put yourself in harm's way, then like, why, you know, like, yeah, there's other races, you know, um, but you also have to know like, all right, like, am I, am I just, you know, looking for a reason not to do this? Yeah. You know, because you can't just not do something because it's going to be harder. And it's a little bit of a mindset shift too, because everybody wants to go out. You train so hard, do all the work and you like, no matter, no matter what level of sport you're at, you want to go fast for where you are at. Right. Yeah. You want to like do a PR or, you know, lifetime best or whatever. And it's just not going to happen in those conditions. Right. Right. Yeah. So you have to have a bit of a mindset shift and be like, okay, here is, this is just going to be a test of my grit, you know? And like, this is going to be a crazy story. I can't believe I'm doing this. You know, like, let's go. This is insane. And like, yeah. just kind of like fuel off that. Like, this is nuts, but I'm out here doing it. I'm probably going to take me one and a half times like yeah. my, what I would normally ride or whatever. But man, you know, this is like a badge of honor almost. It is a badge of honor. I'm still wearing my Iron yes, Man yeah. 70 points. You survived. I feel like such a badass. Honestly, like I just did the yeah. bike and the run. Yeah, and normally I'm like a fair weather athlete too. Like I would normally, if it's raining, like, yeah, I don't need to go out in the rain, you know? Yeah, yeah. I've gotten like that as I've gotten older too. <laughs> yeah, but you've done it all before. Like what's the most <laughs> crazy race that you've ever done in terms of weather oh and my conditions? Gosh. Uh, Boise 70.3 in like 2000, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11. It was like just over 30 degrees. It was freezing rain. The water was like in the 50s. Uh, they shortened the bike. So it was like you swim in this reservoir and then um, they shortened the bike to just basically ride to T2, which is in town. So they shortened the 56 mile ride to basically like a 15 mile ride to get to your run gear. Okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, my buddy, Matt Reed, who ended up winning the race, wore his wetsuit. It was so cold. He wore his wetsuit on the bike. Oh, my God. So I was first out of the water and I'm like. You know, I'm going to go. I wanted to win this race. At that time, I was doing, you know, 70.3s of my thing. And I was, you know, I was on a roll. And uh, so I didn't even put on a vest or anything. I'm like, I'm just dropping everybody out of transition. And I'm going down this hill um, from the reservoir. And I'm frozen. I can't even move. So I'm yeah. in my aero bars. And I see a giant um, cone in the road. Like massive. The biggest cone I've ever seen in my life. And, I, and I'm looking at it. I'm like, I'm going to hit this. But I couldn't steer. I was so cold. I'm in my, I couldn't even move. And I just ran right into it looking at it. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to hit this. I can't move. And I hit it and I flew off and I bent my seat. Uh, so my seat was uh, like at 90, like kind of 90 degrees. So Okay. And I rode. This is when, you know, like you say, you do it. You just do it at that age. I'm like, I'm not quitting. And um, so I rode standing up into transition because I had I couldn't <laughs> sit on the seat. It would, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So I ended up third. Um so That's I still crazy. got on the podium, even though I just had to like ride, like standing on my seat all the way into town. And you were freezing <laughs> on the run, obviously. Oh yeah, I couldn't. Even, I didn't. I couldn't feel my feet the entire run. And like at no point did you think you might be going like hypothermic. That's like wasn't even a concept back then. Yeah, no, you just <laughs> keep going. <laughs> I like that. I definitely 
What about, did you do Austin 70.3, like a few years, or the last one? No, I've that never was done it. All the pros, like a few pros got, went into hypothermic shock. Really? Yeah. I um, I did, uh, the one year I did Frankfurt, uh, Daniela Reef um, went and I think she got hypothermia that year, pulled out. I was probably pretty close. I rode off course because I didn't, like I was, I was totally out of it. I yeah. rode off the bike course. I just like ran through, I had barriers up on the road. I just kept riding through. And then... <laughs> Have you ever DNF'd? Yes, I DNF my first Kona. You did? Yeah. What happened? Uh, I had, I'm not going to say I had bad nutrition advice. I did not interpret the nutrition advice properly. So you've had media training then. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it basically was like, okay, you got to eat X number of carbs, like here, here, and here. Okay. So I'm like, yes, carbs. And I just went out and bought a bunch of crap, like all the bad pastries. Like, mm-hmm. um, Pre-inside tra- tracker. Yes. And like, yeah, <laughs> talk about insulin spikes. <laughs> So I'm eating all this junk and like just gorging myself on it. And I ended up like just, you know, vomiting on the bike. And I ended up getting sick too. I had a fever after the race. Oh my God. It was just in all sorts. I was uh, underweight too. I wanted, I thought you yeah, skinny was fast. You yeah. Know? Um, and I was, you know, the lightest I'd ever been at the start line. It looked like Skeletor. And you're not going to stay healthy when you're, when you're, but you got to feed your body, you know, like yeah. you can't can't abuse it you know you gotta you gotta give it what it needs to do what you want it to do yeah i mean uh, i feel like the last 10 years have been like game changing in terms of like what kind of oh, education absolutely. Yep. Like, what we've what we know like yep. about nutrition about training about yep. just everything but, it's insane yeah even just the last like couple of years yeah you know i look at since been racing a long time you know first we had like really big improvements in aerodynamics on the bike and then you know super shoes with the run yeah. And then I think, yeah, like you said, the nutrition and understanding fueling for tra- and, and training, I mean, that's huge. So now what, what bike are you on? Uh, I'm Well, I'm still riding my old bike, but I'm currently uh, not attached to a bike partner. Oh, if anyone's listening. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on over. Uh, what's your old bike? Uh, I, I rode Trek for 10 years. Oh, okay. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Wheels wheels head wheels oh yeah yep. and head was on the podcast she's I love so her. great yeah yeah and obviously you know we share uh a lot with hard stuff and yeah and you know Did you talk to her oh yep yep about that yeah. yeah yeah we talked in kona uh last year and then when i ended with trek i she's the only person i called i actually didn't look for another bike partner um i'm like i just want to i want to ride head wheels and that's all i care about yeah, I'm and I have a canyon and I really like it. Yeah, heard great things as well. Yeah. 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 Obviously, you know, Jan, Lionel. Everyone. Sam. Um, Sam Laidlow. Laidlow. Yeah. He's been on the podcast. I yep. love him. Yeah, they so sweet. Obviously some <laughs> guys are doing really well on that bike. Yeah, yeah. I mean I think it, I think it's a great bike. Also, okay, so okay, so you can nutrition. We've yep. got Delta G on the yep. ketone front, inside tracker on the health. Yep. What shoes are you running in? Okay. Hoka. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I love Hoka. Which ones? Uh, the uh, Rocket X. And they're great, right? And, you know, going from the bike to the run, like, people's legs usually feel very heavy. Yep. But since they're so light and bouncy, you don't really feel that. No. Yeah. You And same with training, too. Even with some of their other shoe options with yeah. foam for training, um, you can just get in more mileage without beating your body up as much. Another huge benefit. I mean, we used to run, like, Rini was winning Kona in, like, a five ounce race flat that was like just basically a piece of rubber 
Yeah, so these are really yeah. nice. This yeah. is like going from like a, walk for a, like weeks, a BMW you know? to like a Cadillac yeah. or something. Like you can't feel the road anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, a yacht from like a speedboat. <laughs> yes, you just go. <laughs> for anyone who's not an athlete, those are my parallels. <laughs> I love Hoka. Yeah, they've been a great partner. Yeah. Yeah. And who else? Who are some of your other partners? Let's see. Uh, Chili Goat Hot Cold Plunges. They're part, um, part of Master Spas. Um, oh, cool. They just came out um, with uh, the Michael Phelps branded chili goat cold plunge and it's amazing and you guys also have an endless uh pool. they do this from spas as you, well yep. you have one at your house we have right? one in the house and we the, the chili goat cold plunge is right next to it now so we can do a little contrast if we want to turn the swim spot at 104 chili goats at 40 that's so good do you yep. go do you do the cold plunge like have you done it i did uh, yeah um, i mean we actually just recently got it um but i used to I, my mom was actually laughing because i posted about it and she's like i remember you used to be You'd come home with these big bags of ice and yeah. do ice baths in the tub. She's like, this is a lot better. That's what we do in New York City. I fill the bathtub with ice yeah. and I sit in there as long as possible. Athletic Greens? Oh, yeah. Did you want? Right. The Instagram video that you did the other day with your with, dog. With Melvin, yeah. Yeah. that Melvin the French that, Bulldog. Melvin. First of all, Melvin is so cute. He's adorable. But that AG1 promo that you yep. did was like brilliant. Was oh, that your that, idea? Yeah, that actually was my idea. That's great. <laughs> You have a future in social media content. (laughs) For better or worse. Yeah, totally. So when did you get Melvin? Melvin, we got right after Tremblot. So like end of June, early July. So are you, how are you, are you training him? What's. Yeah, he's actually really smart. I mean, we haven't like had any formal training, but yeah, he knows to go outside and when he has to go and he knows how to sit and stay and, you know. The kids love him. The kids love him, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I've never had a dog. I'm not a dog guy, but he's pretty awesome. So did you, um, are you a dog guy now? Uh, I, I'm a Melvin guy. Okay. <laughs> That's what like, everybody's like, oh, we'll watch Melvin uh, whenever you need. And they're dog owners as well. Yeah. Like, hey, <clears throat> there's no reciprocity here, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you watch Melvin, it doesn't mean I'm, you know, yeah. watching whoever else. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. We have two dogs. We're going to Palm Springs tomorrow. I'm taking one of them with me because we can't leave them together with the dog sitter because oh, they all, right. like, they're really bad together. Yeah. Everyone who comes on the podcast, like, I would say, like, 99% of the people have dogs. Oh, yeah. So I mean, Boulder, I'm, about- I don't know how I I'm surprised they didn't kick me out before I had a dog. They, yeah, I think you need to have, like you legally need to have a dog and a dog to yeah. move to Boulder. Like they check <laughs> yeah, that. Thanks. Yeah, when you come into the town. Yeah, when you, where's a dog? Huh? Yeah, are you an athlete? Like we don't we don't let those people here. <laughs> That's so funny, Tim. This has been so awesome. Thank thanks, you Marnie. so really much for being it. on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.